and welcome back to Health Law Diagnosed, a MINTS podcast dedicated to health law, health policy, and social issues in the healthcare industry. I'm Bridget Keller, your podcast host, and today, in part two of our healthcare transaction series, we'll be discussing the role of healthcare regulatory diligence and how to prepare for a sell-side transaction. My first guests are Tara Dwyer and Lauren Moldauer. Tara is a member in the health section who works extensively with managed care organizations, PBMs, and integrated delivery systems, and the companies that invest in them. And often she's working on matters relating to regulatory compliance and assisting clients through the diligence process. Lauren, who you met earlier, is a healthcare associate in our DC office who also counsels clients in this space, focusing primarily on healthcare transactions, leading the health regulatory diligence process for PE investors in many different types of healthcare entities. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks, Bridget. Great to be here. Thank you. All right. So why don't we start off with what is health regulatory diligence? Sure. I'm happy to discuss that. I think of health regulatory diligence is essentially digging into whatever the target's business is. I'm assuming here we're obviously talking about healthcare companies. And so first you identify you know, what part of the health industry does the target operate in? And then what sort of laws apply to that part of the industry and what sort of regulations apply to that part of the industry? Then typically, you know, because we work with a number of clients, some of whom invest in the types of targets that companies buy and some who are targets themselves, we think through how those regulations should impact their operations. And we work with our clients to identify you know, were there potential regulatory violations in the past? Are there risks based on the way that the target has been operating in the past? Are there things that we would recommend changing for operations in the future if our client were to purchase the target? Um, and then, of course, there's also the issue of many health regulatory or many health companies, depending upon the part of the industry they operate in, are licensed. And we have to think about, you know, if it's a licensed entity, what is the process that you have to follow to purchase um, an entity like that, including, you know, is their license transferable? Is it not transferable? Do you have to file a certain amount of time before a potential close of the transaction with, you know, the government entity that that licensed the target, things of that nature. That's really helpful, Tara. Thank you. You know, one question I've always had is, you know, how does health regulatory diligence factor into the overall deal process? You know, do we get started with health regulatory work at the outset or, you know, does the corporate team do a little bit of digging first? You know, at what point do we get involved? I mean, in my experience, it varies. And I, of course, can be biased being that I am a health regulatory attorney. But in most instances, if the target is a pure healthcare company, and it's not a company that perhaps, you know, operates 90% just in the commercial market, and then 10% of its business relates to health. But instead, if we're talking about a company that really focuses on health operations, then I think that the health regulatory diligence part really needs to start alongside the more general corporate diligence. Obviously, corporate diligence has a number of things to consider. You know, is the company real? You know, what are, what are its finances? What are you trying to buy? But health regulatory diligence, if you are identifying a healthcare target, 
depending upon what the issues are you identify, I mean, it can be devastating to a transaction. And so if you go down the diligence path of just doing corporate and doing tax and doing employment and environmental and all of those aspects, but then at the end of the day, you pull in health regulatory diligence and you identify that, you know, the target has been essentially non-complying with the core obligations of the regulations that apply to them that can drastically change the deal and in some instances can kill the deal. And so when you're when you're investing in companies that, you know, operate in this space, I tend to think it's better to find out those issues sooner rather than later because from a from a spend perspective, you don't want to spend an enormous amount of money on all of the other forms of diligence that you absolutely have to do. And then at the last minute, find out that health regulatory diligence is, is going to kill something. And I mean, oftentimes, we're not necessarily killing a deal, but our, our findings impact the deal. They impact it not just from a what is the legal risk, but what is the valuation? Because we have to consider, you know, what is the legal risk of their past operations? What is the legal risk if they continue operating? And then also importantly, what value can the target bring? So for example, if we identify that a target is doing something that you know does not align with the regulations, and we would recommend an operational change, that can drastically impact the value the target brings with them. Because if they have to change their business to comply with the regulations, then the, you know, our buyer client has to think through, oh, well, you know, maybe that target isn't going to bring in, you know, $75 million next year. Maybe the change in operations is going to make it really only realize 30. And so I tend to think that it's health regulatory diligence is important to start early. And also, as I, I referenced before, if you're talking about a licensed entity, I mean, sometimes depending upon the type of license. So, you know, if you're talking about, for example, like a hospital, those approvals take a very long time. And similarly, if you were to buy an insurance company, that is not a quick process. And so if you go down the, if you go down the road of corporate diligence and tax diligence and everything like that, and you, you know, you have your eyes set on a specific closing date, and then you bring in a health regulatory team and you find out in a given state, you're not going to get an approval for an additional 270 days. I mean, that, that's always better to know sooner than later. Oh, definitely. It sounds like that makes a lot of sense. And and if you are investing or considering investing in a company in the healthcare space, it sounds like um, you know engaging health regulatory experts uh, sooner rather than later could really save a significant headache later on in the deal. One other thing you mentioned, Tara, at the outset was you know looking at the overall policy in you know the, which area of healthcare the particular target is operating in. You know, either Lauren, Tara, either one of you, do you want to talk a little bit about what that looks like and and what sort of policy issues you might look to as you start a healthcare uh, diligence review? Sure. I mean, I'm happy to start that. And Lauren, please feel free to jump in. But I mean, I think the key issue is the fact that health regulatory diligence is a really large category, but every target brings different issues to the table. And so you have to consider different issues when you're buying like a Medicare Part D plan compared to when you're you know, buying a management company that works with physician practices. You have completely different laws that you have to consider. And you need teams to identify what those issues are. So for example, you know, in the, if you were to buy a health plan that operates in the federal, you know, in the federal space, 
you would need to, well, one, think through how you're going to structure it. You know, hopefully you would structure it so you don't have to go through the novation process. But then you'd have to think through like, what are the regulations for Medicare Advantage? What are the regulations for Medicare Part D? What kind of contracts do they have uh, in place to support the business? Are they appropriately licensed? And the, I mean, those are specific like insurance licensing regulations in different states. And you'd have to think about their benefit designs and, you know, marketing rules that are put out by CMS. Whereas if you were going to look at, you know, a pharmaceutical manufacturer, also clearly in the healthcare industry, I mean, you'd be considering very different laws um, because they are, they are regulated and governed by different statutes and different regulations. And so each target brings with it different issues because of what they, what they do. Oh, wow. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, Lauren, are there any key questions or items you like to look at as you start the diligence process? So I think in starting the diligence process, at least from my perspective, the biggest item is just to get an understanding of the company's business. I think you really can't do diligence without that. And as Tara was saying, like that's going to drive the whole process. And even, I mean, as we talked about in the last episode, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of new entrants into this or a lot of new targets, like a lot of technology companies, a lot of different type of players in the space. And I think that trying to understand their business model has become a little bit more challenging and nuanced. And so I think even before getting into the legal diligence is just understanding how the business operates from an overall business perspective. And then once there, I mean, to be honest, I focus mostly on the licenses first because that's driven by corporate counsel or the target asking, when can we close? When can we close? So that's usually one of the primary items. And it's a little bit more straightforward, to be honest. Um, I think one of the challenges we have in the healthcare space is that there's so much gray area in with the rules. Um, I think which makes our job very challenging. So I usually start with the licenses and then go from there and looking at enforcement actions. Um, I think one of the best things about our practice is the fact that in addition to kind of our deal team, you know, Mintz has healthcare group has a strong enforcement practice. And so if we see anything there, we immediately pull in Karen or someone who's done enforcement actions so they can opine on, you know, what's the likelihood of a CID turning into something, into a settlement or into a CIA. Um, so I think those that's kind of my order of approaching diligence, kind of looking at the business and then kind of going to licenses and then look moving towards enforcement and then digging into everything else. I say that there's an order, but to be completely honest, the more I think about it, it's, it's more as though you kind of jump into everything at once. But those are, the, I think, the priority areas from my perspective. I don't know, Tara, if you take a different approach. I think that's spot on. I totally agree. You first dig into the business of whatever the target is, because you have to figure out what's even applicable to what they're doing. And then I agree, licensing, it, it's sort of like, what is it, the long pole in the tent? Because you really you have to figure out how, how quickly could you close if you want to close. And then I feel like things really sort of just start spilling out from there. You could find out the first week that the target's under investigation. Um, or, and like, so then you would, of course, have to focus on that. And, and you sort of, you have to react to things as you find them out. But every, because every target, or at least every sort of like groupings of targets have sort of different issues, we sort of, you know, focus on those hot button issues for the types of targets um, and then move on from there. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you both. 
Um, any, any final tidbits on health regulatory diligence that you want to leave our listeners with? The one thing I would say is, I mean, I know we talked about this last episode, but the role of reps warranty insurance and just the importance of bringing in specialists because of reps and warranty insurance. We discussed that, you know, healthcare wasn't really covered when reps and warranty insurance started and now it's getting more and more coverage, but it is vital to bring in specialists who have the experience within that target area because the reps and warranty underwriters will dig into it. And if they don't think that the specialist on the other side you know, did an appropriate diligence, there's likely going to be an exclusion. So I do think that this diligence process has become more important and having people knowledgeable in the subject matters is so much more important in the context of reps and warranty insurance. I think, I mean, I think the only other thing I would add is while, while we're technically talking about health regulatory diligence, like the team that's doing health regulatory diligence needs to work so closely with essentially the corporate team who's running the deal. Because like, first of all, like sometimes issues can overlap. But then also importantly, while we might not mark up an entire purchase agreement, like the health regulatory team needs to dig in to the health reps. Uh, and so, you know, Lauren talking about like the reps and warranties insurance, like the health regulatory team that's doing the diligence, you know, should also be, you know, marking up and providing comments to the corporate team when it comes to, you know, those portions of the deal documents. Yeah. And I just want to echo that. I mean, even beyond the reps, the diligence needs to impact the survival period. Well, I guess that's related to the reps, but the survival period of the reps, like what's fundamental if there's indemnification, if there's going to be an exclusion on the reps warranty policy, or if there is no reps warranty policy, you know, how the diligence impacts those the indemnification provisions and other components of the deal documents. So just echoing and totally agreeing with Tara there. Oh, that's great. Thank you both so much for this discussion. I really appreciate your time and for joining me today. You've really given us a lot to consider and, and stress the importance of health regulatory diligence and, and starting early and working hand in hand with the corporate team. So thank you for that. And listeners, Stay tuned for our final discussion as we are joined again by Kate Stewart, Cassie Paolillo, and Xavier Hardy for a roundtable discussion on how to prepare for a sell-side transaction. I asked our team from the last episode to come back and talk a little bit more about how to prepare for a sell-side transaction. During our last conversation, they gave us a lot of practical advice, you know, in terms of what we're seeing in the deal trends. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what to do when you're the seller. And so Kate, Lauren, Cassie, and Xavier, you are back in the podcast seat. So thank you for joining me. Um, and Xavier, I'm going to turn it to you to kick it off. Okay. Yeah. When it comes to like preparing as a seller, a big thing has to do, it's similar to a buyer. Like you, you're really concerned about the change of ownership process because it controls the timing of the deal. But when you're on the sell side, you definitely have the ability to do um, restructurings or reorganizations in, ahead of time to basically ensure you have a much smoother process. I think one of the things we talked about in the last episode was the fact that, um, you know, asset sales are definitely going to trigger changes of ownership in ways that stock transactions won't. That when you have an acquisition that occurs actually at the uh, level of the licensee, that's much more likely to trigger a change of ownership than when you have a transaction that occurs several levels above the licensee. So these are all things you kind of have to consider before you're going into a deal. Like, you know, how your company is structured. 
where the licenses are sitting, and it will help determine the timing. You also have to consider there's also weird rules such as for home health agencies, we have the 36-month rule. Um, the 36-month rule basically means if there's a change in majority ownership that has occurred like within the previous uh, 36 months for a home health agency and none of uh, like a set of exceptions apply, the home health agency has to enroll um, basically in Medicare as if it's like a um, initial application. And that's a much longer process than going through the typical change of information process when you're going through Medicare enrollments. So these are all the sorts of considerations you have to take into effect when you're on the sell side. Um, and I was going to hand it over to Kate to talk about, I guess, compliance programs and HIPAA programs. Yeah, thanks, Xavier. You know, I think as companies are preparing for a sell-side transaction, one really important thing to do is sort of take a 30,000-foot view of your own compliance program and your own HIPAA program. Think about where there are gaps. Think about where there are processes or policies that may be in place but not in writing and sort of shoring that up and putting it in writing. You know, we frequently see when we're on the buy side, compliance programs that have been developed in the last six months before a sale. Sometimes that can be a little frustrating because you, you know, you worry about what was lurking and what was happening before that. But I think from the sell side process, really anything is better than nothing. So even if you are, you know, have a nascent compliance program, the work that you do to really enhance it in the months leading up to sale can be helpful partially because of the reps and warranties policies that Lauren talked about on our last episode, that a reps and warranties insurer would expect to see a, a written compliance program in place, but also just because it then helps the buyer think about the risk going forward when they acquire the company, right? Is there some compliance infrastructure already in place that they can build on, or are they really going to have to start from scratch? You know, I think as you prepare for the sale, it's really helpful to, um, Make sure that those who are going to be under the tent, those who are aware the sale is happening, are really actually aware of all of the compliance infrastructure of the company, who the privacy and security officer are, how the HIPAA program works, and how other data security issues work. Because you may not have those people who have those as day-to-day responsibilities under the tent when it comes to doing the diligence. So Cassie, I would love to hear your thoughts on corporate practice of medicine considerations for a sell-side transaction. Sure. Thanks, Kate. As we spoke about in the last episode, you know, corporate practice issues come up in PE deals and in strategic deals. And really, what we're looking at is how the friendly PC arrangements, these, these management arrangements with affiliated professional practices are structured. So I think when you're preparing as the seller, it would be really important to get your hands around all of those arrangements what what are your management agreements say? What services are you supposed to be providing? Is has everything been operationalized as it's supposed to be? You know, you want to make sure that from an accounting perspective, everything is set up in accordance with the the governing documents. That the bank accounts are established in the name of the practice or the manager, as as the case may be, and just really looking to see that the the arrangements are papered correctly because that is going to be something that any buyer is going to be really interested in. And also to consider, you know, who's the physician or other professional shareholder? Is that going to be a potential to cause issues under the deal? Or are they going to push back against a potential acquisition? So those are all sort of factors that you need to take into consideration when preparing from the seller side. Lauren, I know you have a lot of experience with diligence, um, so I'd love to hear your take on you know other things that sellers should think about in terms of preparing. 
No, definitely. I mean, we've worked on a number of sell-side deals. And as health regulatory counsel, we usually get, uh, we work closely with the compliance team, the general counsel, and then to a lesser extent, the business team. And what we've seen is just um, the teams that we work with who have even just a small segment of a deal, transactions are exhausting. I mean, they have full-time jobs. And then on top of this, they're expected to answer a ton of questions, produce a ton of documents, and we get the frustration a lot of times being their counsel on deal fatigue. I mean, I think it is real. And so one of the things that I think we've seen more successful deals, what some clients do, is they do try to prepare the documents and staff really at the front end to be in a better position to respond. And I mean, one of the first things I think that a company should consider is who's inside the tent, especially on the healthcare regulatory side, who knows about the deal. And the compliance officer is usually under the tent. But then circling back to Xavier's conversations, just about licensing, I mean, given the importance of licensing and the impact it has on time, I mean, we've had deals where key licensing staff have not been under the tent, and it has just slowed the whole process down and has made it a little bit difficult when we finally started the licensure process. Um, So I think that's one of the first items I think that we've learned is, you know, on the business side, it is good to advise the client on, you know, who to bring under the tent as moving forward. The other thing is preparing those documents and really clarifying like what space the company works in and what questions that you, what questions you're going to get. One of the things that we saw in a recent deal that I think was so helpful, we were on the buy side in this deal, but the sell side took a diligence list and identified questions. I mean, that we have like just the standard set of standard material contract requests, standard questions about investigations and pre-populated the data room with that information and provided maybe not a roadmap, but like a sample diligence request list that provided answers to all of the questions that we usually ask up front. And I think it really helped the buy side team. It probably helped the sell side team tremendously for not having to pull those documents in a rush. And so I think that was incredibly smart of them. And just like start, yeah, start expecting those questions, start pulling the documents, you know, lean on your attorneys to help you, to help the company like provide those responses initially for your review. I think there's a way to make it less exhausting, but I mean, the truth is, you know, even for the in-house staff and their attorneys, like deals, sell-side deals are challenging and time-consuming. Yeah. And, and Lauren, one thing I'll say, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, was like who to bring under the tent. But also, you know, a lot of companies will have really good licensing people who um, they have a lot of institutional knowledge and they deal with this stuff day to day. And, you know, one thing I've always learned as a lawyer is it's really a good idea to listen to these people and to use their advice because they can really make going through the um, filing and notice process a lot easier. One thing we haven't talked much about are payer contracts, um, which are incredibly important in the healthcare context, since that's where the revenue um, comes from. Um, So, you know, to Xavier's point and Lauren's point about bringing in the right people under the tent, it is also, you know, important to get a handle on those relationships with payers, because oftentimes, even with a stock deal, the, the payer contracts are drafted so that, you know, they trigger a change in control requirement really at any level. So it's great to be able to tap into the institutional knowledge of the people who understand those payer relationships and can make those contacts. 
Yeah, Cassie, I just wanted to loop back. It feeds off of that, but also one thing Lauren was saying, you know, sometimes for these really innovative companies in the healthcare space that aren't sort of a traditional provider and might be a, you know, a company that has a business model that a buyer really hasn't seen before, what I've found can work really well if you can schedule it. Um is to just have a call between health regulatory council on the buy side and the sell side to sort of talk through the major questions they have. You know, I think we are so married to this idea of you create a due diligence request list and you trade it back and forth and you write responses in an Excel spreadsheet, where sometimes if you can get on the phone for half an hour or an hour, you can really circumvent a lot of issues just that just aren't a big issue for the company. And sometimes I think if health regulatory council can talk directly with the company, um, and everybody can get on the same page, you can really just cut off lines of inquiry that aren't relevant to the company in a way that doesn't work out well when you're just trying to trade a sheet back and forth with responses. Team, I can't thank you enough for all of this really practical advice for our listeners. Thank you so much for joining me again today to talk about preparing for a sell-side transaction. You've given us a lot to consider. Listeners, if you have any questions about this or previous episodes, please email us at healthlawdiagnosed at mints.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here in a few weeks to discuss the role of telehealth in expanding access to healthcare. I'm Bridget Keller, and this was Health Law Diagnosed.